Emerald Podcast Series. Research that makes a difference. Hi, I'm Francesca Lombardo, Marketing Executive at Emerald Publishing and co-host of the Emerald Publishing Podcast Series. In this episode, I'm joined by three academics, Sumitra Ramakrishnan, Emily Ma and Norna Wang. They all teach and met at the University of Surrey, and they are researching about women entrepreneurs and leaders in tourism and hospitality. We will talk about their studies and results and what this means for women and the progress and future of their careers. Would you all like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Dr. Sumitra Ramakrishnan. I am a senior lecturer in hospitality management at the University of Surrey. I'm a program director for hospitality programs for the postgraduate students. I'm an EDI lead and a race equality uh, committee member for the university's race uh, equality steering group. I'm also an Athena Swan lead promoting gender equality, participation and progression of women in academia. Hello, my name is Emily Ma. Uh, I have been doing research on women in leadership. And one of my most recent projects focusing on the relationship between motherhood and leadership and how they two can kind of help each other. So um, I work in different institutions. And uh, before I was working in the UK, I work in the US as well as uh, in Australia. So I really love the cross-cultural perspective and um, on the topic of women in leadership. Hello, everyone. Hi. My name is uh, Dr. Lorna Wang. I'm a senior lecturer at the School of Hospitality and Tourism Management, University of Surrey. I'm also a senior fellow of the Higher Education Academy. Um, so my other hats would be recently, it is the co-director for a research centre called the Centre for Research on Aging and the Generations. Um, so the centre aims to bring together social sciences researchers across different uh, disciplinary backgrounds, taking a quite uh, intersectionality approach to examine the importance of different aspects of human experiences from a life course perspective, such as different social, economical, political and cultural conditions. So before I became an academic, I was actually in the industry and so I worked in hotel companies in China and in the UK for quite a long while. So I was privileged to receive quite a few awards, including the Lord 40 Award from the Institute of Hospitality in the UK. That's great. Thank you all for being here today. So I, I was just wondering, how did you all came together? What was the rationale behind your studies? And why did you decide to focus on women entrepreneurs and leaders in tourism and hospitality? Uh, Sumitra, do you want to go first? So first of all, thank you, uh, Francesca, for the opportunity. This is a very, very important question around the rationale. As academics, as well as um, women, there are some really important reasons why we decided to focus on women entrepreneurs in tourism and hospitality. First of all, the contribution of women towards global hospitality and tourism entrepreneurship is absolutely phenomenal. According to research, women entrepreneurs are vectors for social change. They simultaneously combine social, transformational, as well as financial objectives. And they not only create successful businesses, but they create successful hospitality and tourism communities. Women also in enterprise are increasingly 
uh, are increasing in numbers. And this is particularly noted post-pandemic. For example, in the US, almost half of startups in 2021 was by women. And this was all the more so for women of Black or African American heritage. So hugely important for women from across the spectrum. This is also noticeable for women in developing um, countries, where we see, according to the World Bank, that 8 to 10 million small and medium-sized businesses have at least one female owner. So it's a hugely important sector for women. It's a hugely influential sector for global uh, tourism and hospitality. That said, although women are a significant majority, they are a weak majority. They're more likely not to be funded by banks or by other traditional sources. They're more likely not to be supported by family members, by wider community, by society. And they're more likely not to be experienced, whether it's to do with knowledge, with technical skills, abilities. And all of this leads them to not be as successful as men. So this is where the role of academics comes into play. We have the knowledge, we have the support, we have the know-how to help women succeed in entrepreneurship. And this is where the drive for this particular area, this particular project comes in. This is great. Lorna, would you like to add anything to that? Yes, I would like to. I think it's a very good question why hospitality tourism as a, a subject area we pay attention to women entrepreneurship. And in fact, according to one of the research carried out by Federation of Small Businesses, hospitality and tourism is a key sector for employment of women and it is a more popular sector than most for women to set up their own businesses. So, um, According to their research, it suggests that 31% of small businesses are owned by women. But that figure goes up, increases to 41% of small businesses are actually in the hospitality tourism sector. Hence the importance for us as educators, as researchers, as a part of the industry and society to pay close attention to this particular area of study. Right. Yeah. So these also you know, involves what the roles are women fulfilling in tourism and hospitality then and why you wanted to study that? Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, that's part of that and also about uh, how to motivate and empower and uh, support um, not just the current generation of uh, women entrepreneurs but to inspire the next generation of uh, women ge entrepreneurs. Yeah, absolutely. Emily, would you like to add anything to that about the roles? Yeah, I totally agree with Lana and Shumitra. And uh, actually, in one of my most recent studies, we look into mentorship and leadership development of female top executive in hospitality and tourism. And they all agree that so um, education plays a very important role and changing the perception of both current leaders as well as the future leaders are essentially important for, 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 for us to create a better position for, for women to, to advance and work in the hospitality, tourism, event sectors. So as educators, we do feel there is great responsibilities in the job, and also there are also great opportunities that we can do to, to change the landscape of you know, the current situation. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I really found it interesting um, when reading about your research, how you connected all of this about women's roles in uh, leadership and entrepreneurship, but especially how this connects to motherhood. And can you, can you talk about this and maybe give some examples and define also the mompreneurs? Yeah. Uh, I would like to share a little bit background about this research. So I I work in different countries and actually I'm a mother of two. So my elder son was born in Australia and my little one was born in the U.S. So I moved my job from Australia to the U.S. And uh, I was teaching HR class. Uh, I looked into the laws and regulations of different countries and suddenly realized that uh, in the U.S., they're not having an ideal maternity and paternity support system. Uh, at this moment, at a national or federal level, they're following the 1993 Family and Medical Leave Act. According to these laws and companies with more than 50 employees, they need to provide up to 12 weeks of unpaid maternity or paternity leave to, to employees. For a lot of hospitality and tourism organizations, they actually do not have more than 50 employees. So the support in the industry level is, in general, not as good as other sectors. So there are certain sectors that are better, but certain sectors are, you know, in hospitality and tourism are not good enough. As an industry, we are labor-intensive. We need people who excel, you know, good service attitude and good service skill to serve the customers from diverse backgrounds. We need to provide good support to our employees so that they will continue to stay for the industry. However, high turnover has always been a challenge for the industry. And this has been intensified because of the COVID pandemic influence. A lot of research have been uh, researching on, you know, different causes. You talk about long hours, you talk about the, the pressure, the stress, the emotional labor, you talk about pay. And but limited research has touched to the point about maternity and paternity support. That's the motivation about the study. So we, we did interviews with hospitality working mothers and started from the hotel sector. So a lot of the reflections are, are really, really touching. Uh, almost all of the people participating in the study, they agree that, you know, uh, better support is needed. And uh, there are a number of negative outcomes, career-related, and uh, work family related and personal related outcome. But on the other hand, we will really encourage that uh, going through the maternity and the parenting process actually help to unlock great potentials of female employees. So because of coping with the pressure, they actually uh, unlocked certain skills or, or certain skill has been enhanced, such as time management, prioritization, they are better at, um, you know, cope with the pressure and stress. Um, they are better at, you know, socializing with people, communicating with people. They're more resilient. So all those skills, we, we, we totally, you know, we're so delighted that because they are so transferable and highly desirable in the hospitality, tourism, and event sectors. Um, we actually truly believe that those skills are highly needed for management and leadership position. That's why, you know, we, 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 that's why we connect, how it connects the motherhood and leadership, these two topics together. So going through the parenthood and motherhood, if we, we cope with it and uh, we, we actually can treat this at a critical stage for leadership 
Right. Thank you, Emily. This is extremely fascinating because it makes you think, you know, how many times we hear, well, we actually have the facts that not many women are at high, higher level of management in businesses and especially in tourism and in general in any, in any sector, just because there is the assumption that motherhood, having a career is not compatible. I really think your research is incredibly high opening and mind opening because it let you see, it lets you see how actually all these skills that a woman takes from her motherhood makes it, you know, makes her successful in her, in her career. Just a little bit as on regarding the point. So the research funding is exciting. And the question now is what's next? Because we also ask those top executives in the industry regarding, you know, almost all of them, if they've been a working mother or if they see other people and a working mother and a leader, they almost all agree that motherhood and parenthood, not only for mother actually, is a great enhancement for leadership skill and potential. And the question is, at this moment, the industry is not there yet to recognize and to acknowledge this. So, so we really need your help. And thank you so much to help us sending the message. It's a great message. And also this takes me to my next question for Lorna. In your presentation, uh, in your speech, you mentioned how this goes beyond professional life and transferable skills. What did you mean by that? Yes, I think uh, to a certain extent, we as women, uh, whether entrepreneur or in other profession or CEOs, um, we all have a multiple hats in life. So we need to recognize and celebrate the different stages in a woman's life. Um, using myself as an example, as I'm a daughter, you know, the intersectionality of uh, life. So I'm a daughter, I'm a wife, I'm also mother of two. And then I also see myself as a student. And yes, I do teach my students, but I learn much from them. And I also research. And I'm an employee within the university, but I mentor junior colleagues. And then I did have my management hat on. And I do lead uh, my team, whether on project basis or departmental basis. And I'm a female. And I'm a Chinese by origin, but I'm also a British citizen. So where I position myself is as a global citizen, and then I see myself as a lifelong learner. So all these roles we play in life, um, we celebrate that. It prepares us for different skills. For example, as um, Emily's research quite rightly showed, the motherhood is a stage um, many women tend to shy away from it. Um, on our CV, we put down maternity leave and let's see it as a um, potential downfall for progression. Um, however, in recent years, we do see the collective effort, uh, women support women, the allyship, etc. So uh, about two years ago, I, I was on maternity leave in 2020. So I made a conscious decision uh, to put on my CV and the proud mother of two <laughs> and then improving multitasking, organizational time management, problem solving skills on a daily basis. So instead of shying <laughs> away from it, I think we need to accept ourselves and then recognize 
whether it's a motherhood or our <laughs> as an educator, as a researcher, as a society member, we actually learn from daily encounters of with the community members, with the family members, etc. And also, um, we will talk about the as a university setting educators. We talk about uh, um, transferable skills quite often. One thing we recognize the most as a hospitality tourism graduate. So we do prepare them for a wide range of career opportunities. So the transferable skills is a, a long list. It could be time management, communication skills, team working skills, interpersonal skills, uh, self-motivated, um, analytical skills, uh, digital skills, so on and so forth. So all these are transferable skills that do prepare an individual, woman or man, to work effectively as a team in an organization or set up their own business. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like as you know, as also Emily was mentioning before, it's a case of also how the governments and the state and the companies themselves are helping women in in this because if they say like for example in Italy the maternity leave is 5 months uh, like mandatory and here in the UK is the same, but at the same time is not paid 100% of the salary. So this makes women think and say, oh, okay, I, I want to have children, but what does it, what, it, what it's going to take, you know, out of my career and on top of that, on top of the pay and worrying about money is also, oh, would I, would I receive, would I face prejudice in face of this, in face of deciding to have a family? So this brings me to my next question, which is how do you think we can change the mindset around these biases, um, especially to allow more women that want to embark on this journey of entrepreneurship and leadership? So I think in terms of changing the mindsets, just carry on from what I mentioned earlier, we need to sort of define the societal expectations. That's right, right, it is a woman's job to raise the children. It's a woman's job to run the household. Um, so yes, there's a government level in terms of a policy, whether it's a maternity or paternity um, policy, and then the um, family care uh, allowance or taxation, etc., which will have that environment encouraging women to carry on with their career life or indeed set up their own business should, should they choose to, to do so. That is about the freedom one will have to decide what to do uh, next. And then um, also um, owning to our own accomplishment, just to recognize what we have done in life uh, as in different capacity, that's actually building up our profile, our capability and the skill set. I think as women, we're very often shying away from our accomplishments compared with our male colleagues who walk into the room 120% confident, where women were probably <laughs> equally capable, but we feel we are only 80% ready for the job. And this, in fact, it was one of the CEOs who shared this. And that is just... Um, a common kind of a feeling. So we as women, we need to good at sell ourselves and to recognize what we have achieved in life. And also, I think also asking for help 
when you need it. And sometimes we try to project this very strong. Uh, we can do everything is good, but that image that in fact when needed, this is where the women support women or allyship, as some colleagues would uh, use the term. So don't shine away. It's all about a team um, support heading to one's career ambition. Um, so those are just some of my humble opinion. I think of what we could do in terms of changing the mindset of we need to change ourselves to start with before we can expect our employers or the community or the society or the government can make any changes. So we need to recognize that. And then lastly, just to overcome the fear of a failure by admitting, you know, I need help or tell me where I can do help. I need to further development. I need to carry on, but do tell me what resources are available, direct me to the resources. That would be the couple of points which I'd like to raise. And so what do you think women leaders and entrepreneurs be getting that they don't get now? Um, who wants to go first? Sumitra? Um, a couple of things that we need to consider. Uh, support has to be quite across the stakeholders. So uh, policymakers should support women in entrepreneurship through providing supportive policies, making sure that the government, for example, supports women-led projects. We have seen countries that are really good at it. If you go on to the World Economic Forum, it identifies those economies that are more entrepreneurial than others. So factors like finance, policy, enterprise education, generating useful research data and metrics, market dynamics, all of these are really important. And all of this will come together to create a supportive environment where women are interested, first of all, to go into enterprise and are supported in their journey and have got all the technical know-how, the funding, the resources that will then help them to create successful enterprises. Absolutely. I feel, I feel like nowadays, Uh, some people might get tired of hearing, oh, you know, about gender equality or the right that women don't have. And it makes me think, why are these people getting tired of women finally talking and, you know, actually standing up for the rights that they should have had to begin with? So one of the most important, one of the most significant challenges around creating successful entrepreneurial economies is changing the mindset around entrepreneurship and leadership, particularly with regards to women taking part in this journey. So some of the key challenges we find are identifying successful role models or so that other aspiring entrepreneurs can learn from them and see that there is a, a you know there's a potential there. You know, as, as President Obama said, that, that notion of yes I can is very much supported by seeing people who are like you, who have had a similar experience and journey um, like you in life. Um, and it gives you that ability to look at role models and see the potential, the possibility to achieve like them. So having that showcase of successful role models 
showcasing uh, success stories and sharing it with policymakers and funders. So they recognize the importance of female entrepreneurs. Um, they also recognize that uh, female leaders can be very successful in enterprises. As academics, it's really important for us to generate very useful data um, and show that it's not just a good thing to do, a nice thing to do, but female entrepreneurship is actually very, very profitable for societies, for communities, for the economy. And finally, show the impact of uh, female entrepreneurship from a social, cultural, and economic perspective. So many communities struggle with with challenges around, for example, patriarchal uh, attitudes, where women feel that they're not able to participate in, in entrepreneurship, where women feel that they don't have the same opportunities as men. Um, and I uh, very much like the approach taken by um, ex-Supreme Court Justice of the United States, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who talks about the idea of allyship, of getting people on board um, into the conversations. So rather than trying to win the argument um, and say how important entrepreneurship is, it's really important to get everybody on board, to get the families, to get the society, to get industry, managers, organizations, consumers, everybody on board and share what is possible when you have successful female entrepreneurships within economies. May I add something? Of course. So I, I want to uh, recently, like Lana mentioned, Shumicha was also in that workshop. We did a women in leadership workshop and uh, we were really uh, greatly encouraged. I want to highlight one thing that I feel really touched because most of the attendees, like 85% of the attendees would be female in that workshop. But we do have uh, a few gentlemen uh, from mostly from uh, our department and they are very supportive attending the workshop. I think so when we are talking about gender equality, women in leadership, we need to bring a different perspective. We need to let the male leaders, our male co-workers and uh, the male students and, and, and people of different genders to, to involve in the process. So there is a very interesting example I recently read, which was about experiencing the, the pregnancy challenges and workshop. But that workshop only open to male. So they will imitating the whole process, like using like football or different kind of like thing to, to imitating that they are being uh, pregnant. Uh, an encouraging effect is before, you know, this, this workshop was initiated like five years ago. And at the very beginning, nobody wants to participate. People just laugh. Uh, but year after year, they, they have more participants. And after participating in the entire process, it become more understanding. And by bringing a different perspective, we actually, you know, we, we, we have more understanding between each other. It's not just about talking. So when, when we are stepping into uh, people's shoes, we, we become more perspective taking and more understanding as well. So regarding what we can do and what we can support, so this is back to your previous question. Uh, I want to add one point, which is about like like the, the support we have. So in, in addition to the formal type of support, the diversity inclusion initiative, we, we need to have some informal, more 
more programs with personal touch, such as the one-on-one mentorship programs. So some could be formal, some could be informal, some social programs that cater, you know, the need of like a certain, certain demographic groups, like, for example, working mothers. We need to consider, you know, the time of this program, the duration of the program. And actually, in one of the most recent studies we did on mentorship, such mentorship programs are super helpful because as a mentee, they say that, you know, the female leader is there. So they are being there as a very good example, making them, you know, to have the hope that if they work hard, they can also achieve the same level, you know, of career success. And uh, from the leader's perspective, the mentor's perspective, it's not just they're just giving and sacrificing their own time. Uh, they also benefited from this process by going through the personal reflection, by helping others. They truly feel it's a delighted feeling of carry forward of the help they receive from others. And they also have a, like a broader perspective uh, for the newer generations and they actually enhance their leadership skills and leadership potentials as well. And that's all for, for me. Yeah. And I feel this also answers to my question about education, because all of you mentioned how the support for women should start from there. So you mentioned the workshops and what did you mean by the gendered approach to helping women in education? So the idea of gendered approach to enterprise education is not just creating a female-centric education. Um, There are almost like two sides for this. First of all, creating a gender-sensitive education that understands the context of being a woman, um, wherever we are. So recognizing, for example, the challenges that women in many parts of the world um, face to access secondary education, university education, recognize that in many parts of the world, women have a lot of responsibilities. Lorna and Emily talked about different hats, you know, being a mom, being a young carer, uh, being a partner or a wife or a, a, a daughter, a leader. So having these different hats means that there are multiple responsibilities and that brings in a completely different dynamic. So being sensitive to the needs of those who are coming into curriculum with very diverse needs and experiences and backgrounds, recognizing that there are also cultural barriers, whether it's stereotyping, patriarchy, you know, choosing uh, certain courses, uh, deciding whether to go into enterprise or not, really depends on how society sees women as entrepreneurs. So understanding the challenges that are here. And the other side of the coin for me is gender sensitive curriculum, whether it is teaching in secondary schools or colleges or at university. How do we make sure that our curriculum is reflecting the people that we're teaching? So if we have 50% of our classes made up of women, how do we make sure that those women are represented in our teaching and learning? So creating, for example, content that is inspired by women, women writers, women leaders, using a lot of examples in our lecture slides, in our classrooms, bringing in speakers who are from a a diverse range of backgrounds and ethnicity and gender. So, you know, maybe a young black woman or an an elderly white woman or 
you know, people with different backgrounds and experiences. So creating a rich diversity of female contributors, whether it is through research, whether it is through industry engagement, whether it is through um, our student experiences, so that the women in our classrooms feel inspired and they feel that entrepreneurship is something for them. Entrepreneurship is an, is something that they can achieve in and it has a huge amount of opportunities and potentials that will give them whatever their ambitions are in life. Yeah, thank you, Sumitra. This is very inspiring and I feel... As I said again, your research really, really inspired me. And do you have any final message that you want to share with the listeners? If I may chip you, I, I think now is um, better than ever for women to become an entrepreneur. Um, to start with, I think we need to recognize um, people choose to be entrepreneur for different reasons, men or women. Uh, for some, it's, oh, I can't find a job, so I set up my own business. And for some, that would be perhaps I have a job, but I really don't enjoy doing that particular role. So I prefer to do something different. And then I set up uh, my own business. Or others, they absolutely enjoy what they do, and they do it so well to the extent they feel, well, why do I work for an organization? I can do it myself. Um, so with that overall different choices available, now um, widened education opportunities for um, different gender, for all the society, it gives um, individuals the opportunity to equip themselves with the right skill set, the knowledge to have the freedom and be able to choose if I need to become entrepreneur Am I ready? And then where do I get the adequate support? So we are not as educators to tell individuals uh, this is what to do to prescribe them with um, a, a guideline, but rather to plant a seed and give them the skill, the ability for them to grow individually, become a strong and more successful individuals. Thank you, Lorna. Um, so uh, Sumitra and Emily, would you like to add anything? Before we conclude, so I think one of the uh, key takeaways for me, for in terms of how do we move forward, is first of all understanding that we need equitable support. So as, as Lorna was mentioning earlier, having that confidence to uh, to recognize what you can achieve, but this is supported by a network of policymakers, family, education system, all coming together to provide equitable support, access to technology, access to opportunities, and allyship, making sure that you have strong allies who are there to support you in your journey as you reach to whatever the ambitions you have. And finally, having strong networks. I know it's a cliche to say, you know, a ne your network is your net worth, but it's absolutely fundamental to have that connection, having access to resources, having access to people with similar experiences, people who are able to advise you, people who are able to mentor you. So that is really important. So having that community of support will really be helpful as um, uh, people try to, women try to figure their way 
um, into the world of, of um, enterprise, uh, particularly in tourism and hospitality, where there's so much happening in terms of innovative ideas, sustainable technologies, relevance of climate and environment and so on. So there are huge opportunities out there for young women, um, older women to engage with enterprise. And uh, if we find the right kind of education, if we provide the right kind of support, I think we can achieve a, a lot of very exciting things. This, as I said before, you know, women have the potential to be real vectors of change. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we help them to achieve that. So just want to share with you my, one of my recent experience. So uh, I'm a, new, a relative a new immigrant to the UK. So I dropped my little one who, is, who was less than two years old at that time to a local daycare. And uh, uh, there, one time I saw a very young working mother and particularly she just had her first child. She was uh, reluctant to drop her son to the daycare. She seems to so worried. I couldn't help myself, but but to say some encouraging word, I couldn't help just sharing, you know, my experience. I even joke with her that, you know, when the childcare from office staff asked me, how is your little one doing? I replied like, uh, oh, he's still similar, but I am much better. So I totally agree with uh, Lana and Shumitra that changing the mindset is very important. And uh, letting uh, the women, women know that, you know, something is possible, no matter it is being a mother as well as working, or no matter it is continually to look for opportunities to progress, to advance and uh, pursue new dreams. I think changing the mindset is the first step and making uh, the rest of the part possible and supporting each other. And uh, we all carry a mission. So as educators, so we, we feel we, we are putting in a position that we actually can influence a lot of uh, heart and souls, and uh, it, it's a it's a very very important job. So so we are trying a lot to to find opportunities on how we could help reshaping um the mindset of the future leaders. So and that's all from me. Thank you. I think the, my key message to all listeners would be um, knowing your value, and also be yourself and believe in yourself. Well. Thank you all. This has been a pleasure for me to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find more information about our guests and a full transcription of the show on our websites. I would like to thank Hazel Goods for help with today's episode and the studio This Is Distorted.